Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT in the D show. I'm your host, Bob Walton Spiel, hanging out with co-host producer extraordinaire Randy Walker. Guest this week, this is uh, Supergirl, Superwoman, the, the, the queen <laughs> of project management. Katie Schultz is in the house from Slalom Consulting. Uh, for a dumb sales guy like me, she's going to lead us into the world of the evolution of program and project management, something we think just poof happens when we close the curtain and close that sale. Um, but hey, you can find us online, itnd.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials and subscribe to us everywhere. Find podcasts are sold don't forget meetup.com slash it in the d we're going to be one more time at nancy whiskey down in detroit third thursday always at five o'clock no speaker no covers hope to see you at a future event katie how are they treating you you doing good doing well thanks yes uh, managing the uh transition of the kids back to college and uh getting through it all every day today was d-day for a lot of my uh, single and or childless friends who have to put up with all of our pictures, back to school photos. So it was mm -hmm. definitely a, uh, uh, you know, I didn't get any, I got actually got Randy, uh, didn't scoff too much. I think August is the only one that scoffs. He, he does not, he, today is not his favorite day in the world. <laughs> all the pictures of the little goblins dressed up in their finery going back to their, their fresh kicks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so candidly, Katie, I work with Katie and my entire life i've been a sales guy and it's been the ever living joke that once i sell something i fold up the po and put it in a little magic box and then poof voila the work gets done and then the client either says yay or the client says you guys messed up and then i go back and we we work on things but but katie I, you are the the brains behind the operation you make sure our little po's and our sows and all the stuff we we put we we sell to those clients, get implemented and delivered properly. So, did I sum up your existence? I, I don't want to say you're magicians, but you kind of you know you, in my world you are. Absolutely, yep. It it definitely hits on the fact that it's as much art as it is science. As it's it's as much method as it is experience and sniffing out the problems before they become real real challenges for you. And I like to think of it as when you fold up that PO and put it in the box. I want you to do more than just hope that the client's going to come back in the end and say everything went great. I want you to move up the spectrum. You can get to a think stage with just a few of the fundamentals. And then our goal is always to make sure when you fold that PO up and you look at the team, you know it's going to get done because you have project managers who are planning the work, they're measuring the progress, they know what to look for, they're looking around the corners for the goblins that are going to jump out at you, and uh, aware of them and know what to do before they get there. So we always grew up with like, oh, I got my PMP cert, and we were like, oh, wow, that's great. And quite candidly, I, I you know, like, I knew it was project management, right? And it kind of stopped mm -hmm. there. And I know during this entire time, like Dev, I, I'm always I've always been around Dev. So Dev always I knew the involvement from Waterfall to Agile. And it seems like Agile's been in in lieu for about the last what 10 years, Randy. And then but there's been an evolution for project management. And I'm just curious where like, you know, let us into where it started and kind of where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. I would say project management started, and this is whether it's agile, whether it's waterfall. Um, some of these fundamentals apply in, in all cases. Um, how you get it done is sort of the, the methodology and where Agile comes into play. Um, but 
in the olden days, I will say, um, which isn't too far back for me to remember, but um, your project managers were reporters. They were tracking things and reporting it, telling you what happened last week. What did we get done? What didn't we get done? Uh, what are we going to do? Um, but it was all reporting the news um, is what I like to say it. And now where we are evolving is your project managers need to be value add in leading the delivery. They need to bring all of that, not just the certifications of PMPs, but the experience they have to know what could go wrong and how do I make sure it either doesn't go wrong or I know what to do as soon as it does go wrong to get it back on track. So expand on that real quick. What did, what, give me like an example or something like when you're saying like they're, you know, instead of just delivering or reporting, how are, how are they foreseeing? I guess, is this like, are they being trained different or is it a new skill set that they're learning while, while in getting their, like pro, being a project manager? I guess, talk to me about that real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the easiest thing to talk about is when you talk about risks, um, an old time project manager would track the risk write it down, put it on the spreadsheet, bring it up once a week and say, we have this risk, we're monitoring it, um, we're keeping our eye out. Um, the new project manager actually comes to the table, brings the group of people together and says, how do we identify all the risks? What could go wrong? I've done this project six times before. And so here are all the questions I'm going to ask. What could go wrong? The environment might not be ready. The developers might not have the right skill set to do this work. The client that you're working with might have taken on more than they can chew because they all have day jobs and they take this project on as a side hustle. Um, and their bosses think they can do it all, but they can't. So asking all those questions based on experience. And that's where I say it's as much art as science. The PMP and, and all of your project management training is going to tell you how to do it. But you have to, the value-added project manager brings to it all the scars, all the experience and wisdom, which we all know comes only from learning through mistakes. So what are all the things that have gone wrong before and what could go wrong here? And then what do we do about that? So how do they differentiate themselves if you just say project manager on your title? Like that's, it, it seems like that's vague now because if it was back, back before when you were just like, again, reporting and now mm -hmm. you're actually, you know, I don't want to say it's more valuable player in the, in the grand scheme of things, but it feels that way, the way you're explaining it. Like what, how, how do you differentiate yourself in, in, I guess, not just in title, but in like in scope of what you're, what you claim the work you do? Absolutely. A lot of it is in what level of responsibility or accountability do you take for the project? If I am a project manager who is tracking and reporting and sort of monitoring, controlling, um, I'm not feeling the ownership to get this project over the finish line successfully, on time, on budget, delivering the value that it's supposed to deliver. I am just telling you where we're at and if we're getting there or if we're not and letting somebody else be on the hook for rallying the troops, getting more people for the project increasing skill levels. Um, but the way we differentiate it, and, and I often ask the questions is, are you looking for someone who's a project coordinator, project tracker, or are you truly looking for a delivery lead? Someone who's going to take accountability for leading this team to the finish line. 
and the finish line defined as whatever success means for that project, which isn't just getting it done. Right. It's, it's very be- similar to, it's very similar to sales. Like what, you know, what kind of sales are they an account manager? Are they a farmer? Are they a hunter? Are they no, no. So I, I get it. It's starting to make sense. Yeah. absolutely. Do you think there's an issue of like um, overloading the title too much? Like I have a friend whose title is actually delivery lead. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think asking the questions of what are you expecting of that delivery lead? And we talk about it all the time. I mean, you can get a project manager at a relatively low cost and they add value in their own way, but it's playing a very different role than someone who's going to lead delivery and really be responsible for saying, I know this project is going to get over the hump and get there successfully. So who, I guess, who defines the criteria? Is it the delivery lead of what, like, obviously success is a finished project, but the milestones, Mm -hmm. I guess, where, where is that being written, developed? Is it, is it agile where it's being changed on the fly, depending on things that they uncover? I guess, why? Walk me through how that even how that gets to the final stage of being ready. Yeah, absolutely. A big part of it is defining done. What does done mean? And it's different for every project and it's different for every client. Um, what does it mean? Does done mean you have a working piece of software? Does done mean you're generating 10 new leads a week in your customer relationship management software that you've just implemented? Right. Or does done mean you're generating new revenue for a product that you built? Um, If you define done as just the working software, but you aren't getting any value out of that, in many cases, that isn't what I would consider done. Done and success needs to be why are we doing it? It's not the output, it's the outcome, which is another kind of paradigm that um, we're talking a lot about with our clients anyway, is we don't want to focus on the outputs. You need those. Those are the table stakes. But why why are you creating those outputs? What do you intend to do with them? And how will you know they are generating value for your organization? So what that means is you have to put more in your planning and your milestones to actually measure the value along the way and make sure you have a way to demonstrate that you are meeting that success criteria. So we start every project by just having a very open and honest dialogue that sometimes it's as much as let's sit down and write the news release for this project, the press release that we want to have out there. Um, Let's write it right now. What do we want it to say? How did this transform your organization? How did this new product get out to the market and completely change the way customers experience your website, whatever that may be. Let's write that press release and then make sure the project manager now in that delivery lead role is delivering to that. It's making that press release come true versus just making sure we build 10 widgets within a hundred hours time. So is the, I'm just, so if you, when you're, I, I look at our day-to-day life and we're doing everything, we're doing business strategy, we're doing actual consultancy, we're doing, you know, maybe a website redesign, maybe we're doing, a, you know, an analytics or a dashboarding project, maybe we're doing infrastructure. And it's like, how many t- can you can't, each one is completely unique, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. It's a like you know each a, a pretty little snowflake. Um, but no, like <laughs> yeah. there's no there's not. I can't imagine anything like that could ever be replicated. It's it's basically we're start we're building this. It's it's a different looking house every time we we put this thing together. Am I correct in that or wrong? Yeah, I know. I think you're spot on because even if you had two projects that were designed to say implement a Salesforce marketing cloud, the why you're doing it is so important, and that influences how you're going to plan and manage the work to get it done. If you are implementing Marketing Cloud to get mailers out the door in half the time it takes today, that's the outcome you're trying to achieve. That's how you prioritize which features are most important. That's how you make sure those features get done first. That's how you think about what processes have to change. Everything that you do is geared at that outcome. Somebody else might be implementing Marketing Cloud because they want to improve engagement with their customers by 25%. Okay, now I need different features in the cloud. I need to be able to interact with the software differently and I need to measure engagement versus just getting mailers out the door. Um, And you just think about each project. So you're exactly right that they are all snowflakes. And that's why your experienced delivery leaders advanced project managers are really thinking about how do I take each one of these snowflakes and bring the experience I have as well as the methods that we go through to ask the right questions, define success, define done, understand all the things that could possibly go wrong in that type of project and plan for that. Don't just close your eyes and hope that nothing goes wrong between now and then. And as long as nothing gets goes wrong, you'll be done in June. It'll be you know, happy path. So how do sales help program in delivery uh, people? Is the, is it, I'm just, I'm, I'm assuming you guys behind closed doors are swearing at us every minute of the day. Maybe it's, maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. Um, but how can we help? Never. How do we help? I think you help by really getting at the why. Um, getting at the not what do you want to do, And what are you trying to sell or what is the client trying to buy? But why? What is it that they're planning to do with it? And what does that press release look like? What do they want to tell everybody they accomplished? Um, Because then we plan for that. Um, The other thing that I think we we work with our sales teams quite a bit is um, when we are trying to manage scope to the budget a client may have, the first thing every client says is, well, we'll do that part. We can do that. We know how to manage projects or we know how to do change management, helping us to articulate to them the risks that that presents and making sure that we're one team in this. It's not just about, you know, from at least a delivery perspective, it's not just about getting the tasks done that were assigned to you or your team we're all trying to achieve an outcome and what's the best way to do that. You know, what's crazy, Katie. I've been in sales for 25 years, corporate sales. And I finally learned the, what, what are you trying to accomplish and why are you doing this? It's amazing to me how many grown adult salespeople that I've met that still run at me with feature benefit, feature benefit. And if they, you know, Mm -hmm. got a $10 million order, you would take it in a second. And not think twice of asking, well, what are you trying to do? 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, sh- it, it absolutely shocks me. So I can see how the frustration would be on delivery when here we sit and just take an order because that's what we do. And, mm-hmm. you know, on your end, you just, we just shoveled a pile of, you know, manure over the fence and said, you know, make this look like diamonds tomorrow. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, one of my goals in life is trying to retrain as many salespeople as humanly possible. Cause I think it's the professions, like there's, there's a lot of good people. And there's a whole lot of bad people in like pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, in, in good companies. So, uh, that's why I'm kind of asking how to, how do we make it easier, better for you guys? Um, yeah, I think part of it is that um, we have to get beyond what they ask for to how do we truly understand what they need. Right. Right. And those can sometimes be two very different things because the the person buying the services or the product, they think they know that's what they want. But until you get them to articulate that why, you don't get to what they really need. And then the answer to what they really need might be slightly different than what they thought they wanted to buy mm-hmm. and helping us solution for what they need and what the why gives us a lot more creativity and flexibility to bring alternative solutions often that get to value faster um, and can even cost less. I mean, yeah. you know, I they, never, they may ask for the $10 million thing, right? which a salesperson wants to sign the, you know, sign it and run to the bank. Right. But we can look at it and go, we can actually get to their outcome Mm -hmm. for 6 million and have a partner for life that is looking to us as always being in their best interest and helping them achieve the outcomes they are looking for. I'll never uh, forget the story. Rawls, our, our, uh, our Superman of our office, our, our leader told the story of, it was that it was that it was our call center sucks. Can you fix it? And he could have easily taken that $10 million order. Figured he would sit in the call center for two days, figured out it had nothing to do with the call volume or the call people. It was the contracting service that would send to people's houses was, was garbage. And they fixed that and it cost nothing. But then guess what? You get, you get a customer for life at that point. You know, mm-hmm. his, his sales manager probably was angry with him because he could have <laughs> might have missed his number that quarter. But I mean, you had a customer for the next 10 years when you do something like that. So that's what I'm kind of asking. Well, well, what the heck are you trying to accomplish? You know, is, is kind of a key dr- driver. So talk to me about you used the, um, the hope, think, no thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think most like. PMs like they think it's going to, you know, they hope it's going to work. They think it's going to work. I don't know how many walk into it going. They absolutely 100% unequivocally know it's going to work. I guess talk to me through, I guess that evolution. Yeah, absolutely. I think we often see where people will come to us and say, you know, 80% of our projects never get done or get done at, you know, way over budget or way late. They never get done on time. And we start to look at it and say, well, along the journey of that project, how do you know that you are on track? What evidence do you bring to each discussion that says, well, last week we got this much done. So that means for the next three months, this is what we can actually predict is going to happen. And we're going to know it in a much more finite way. Um, and what processes are you putting in place to track the progress, monitor it, and use what's happened to date to predict the future? I've met with a thousand teams that say, 
you know, yeah, last week we only got 10 widgets built, but I hope next week we'll get 20. And I look at them and say, well, what, it, what, what is, why is next week going to be different? You have no reason to believe that you can get to 20. You can then talk to a project manager who comes in and says, we only got 10 done last week. We've added three people to the team and we did a round of knowledge sharing sessions to learn from what went wrong and what made the first 10 difficult. And therefore, I think we're going to get 14 next week and 18 the following week. And I can say, okay, that's a sound plan. You actually took action. You think it's going to work. So then you go into week two and you get your 14 and you say, now I know we're on track. We have, you know, we took action. It gave us the result we expected. So now I'm in that no stage. But if I just say this was a bad week and I hope next week will be better, you're going to stay in that hope world and you're not likely to get success the way you want. So it's a lot of getting from hope to no is using what has already happened to predict what's going to happen next or changing the future by taking some real discrete actions. So failing fast and learning from it and changing on the fly. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like agile, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's in a different, different methodology, yep. but yeah. Um, one of the things that's, it's, it hasn't been newer to me because I've always done it inherently, but it's always been storytelling and we keep bringing it up more and more. I, I was asked to, to teach a class actually on, on storytelling. And I'm not going to lie. I had a hard time coming up with curriculum for it because I'm going, okay, you know, the hero's journey and I'm kind of walking through that, but I was trying to translate it into business and it's kind of, I was looking at stories of like, Hey, if we do this thing, it, you know, it'll cause, you know, it'll cost $10, but you'll make 50 bucks, I mean, you know, five X return. Like, so I was mm-hmm. trying to articulate it, but I, I'd love to hear your take on, you know, in the, in the program manager role, like what you have to do in terms of storytelling into who. Absolutely. Um, we see this a lot um, in terms of many clients will come to us and say, we're doing all the right things. And we are implementing projects, but our regulators don't agree with the value we're adding or the impact it's having on our O&M expense or our reliability, for example, maybe for a utility um, or our, you know, internal stakeholders, our leaders don't understand why things take so long to get done. And we often then come in and bring that art of telling the story along the way um, of why did you choose the projects you did? Why did you invest in them? Why did you believe they would add the value? How are you measuring that? And what are you learning each step of the way that increases your confidence in that hope, think, no? And then how can you demonstrate the value that each project delivers back? So in terms of the story, though, is it really just defining value or I guess what part of the whole storytelling thing? Like, again, I was trying to always bring it back to um, actually, you know, what I used was a scene from Caddyshack. Um, You might not know it, but it's 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 a totally like an 80s, you know, golf. I know it. (laughs) And there was a story where the where Bill Murray was telling the Dalai Lama story. 
And, you know, he's got the pitchfork to the guy's neck and he's doing the whole gunga la gunga thing. And the guy's looking at him like, are you out of your mind? Well, I said, is this a good story or a bad story? And everyone was like, horrible story. And I said, actually, it was a fantastic story. He was very descriptive, flowing robes, grace, big hit of the llama, 10,000 foot glacier. Like he was like you were there, but the guy didn't want to hear it that, you know, that he was holding the pitchfork to. So I was like, you need to know where your audience is. You could tell the greatest story ever told. But if your audience is disinterested, like it it means nothing. So I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously our clients are interested in our success, but like, how do you get them drawn in? So the story that you're telling is actually resonates. Yeah. And this is something we've actually been just starting to talk about within our team a little bit around, um, you know, at Slalom, we talk about how do you get to know your customers really well? How, when you're solutioning, are you understanding what they value the most? So that's really in the sales process. That's your your expertise, right? Of how do I know what they value? And therefore, I'm telling the story of what I am selling to them in the terms that matter to them, in what I know they value. Do they value um, speed? Do they value perfection? Do they value um, the experience that you've had and been there, done that? Or do they value the, we're going to make this unique to you? Knowing all those things, really, we talk a lot about how that helps in the sales process. What I am starting to learn is let's not throw away all that analysis we do about our buyers upon the sale being complete, when we fold up the PO and put it in the box, um, let's keep those out fresh and say, if I know that person valued execution excellence as one of the key things, then that's the story I ought to tell all throughout value, all throughout delivery, so that I can make sure um, I'm playing to what they value and I am demonstrating what's important to them along the journey of delivery. And that's the story I want to tell. If the person bought because of our level of repeatability and perfection on delivery, then I need to be able to demonstrate along the way and sprinkle into every status update that I give how we reuse something from a prior project to get us there faster because we have all of this repeatable um, collateral that we can use. If somebody else valued a unique solution that was tailored to them and their people were coming on the journey of delivery and owning it with us, if that was their value at the beginning, that's what I need to repeat throughout in what I tell the story to. So you have to understand, like you said, who's your audience? What do they want to hear about? And then how do I make sure the results we're delivering are told to them in the way they value it? Yeah, but I mean, that's all needs to get uncovered in the beginning. So it's like, again, asking those good questions, what, what, you know, what, what's important to you, you know, um, but then that's also, you, you know, the delivery team helping, helping us define that. Cause if we, you know, mm-hmm. again, sometimes we get a little overzealous and just want to get that thing signed, push it through, push it through, um, mm-hmm. you know, just asking those, asking those good questions. A hundred percent. So I always hear the saying, and and this is the first time in my life I've heard it, but nothing sells like good delivery. Um, Do you fashion yourselves as salespeople? Because I know it's a little bit low on the totem pole for for the text, but what's your your take on that line? 
Um, it's interesting because we do, um, most of us in delivery cringe when people say, you need to help us sell and you need to be part of sales. And we don't like to fashion ourselves as salespeople. We don't feel good at it. Um, and what I have talked to a lot of my fellow delivery people and as we're growing our delivery experts in the field is talking about when you turn sales into solving business problems, then it's fun for everybody. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a great salesperson. You have to be able to understand the problems that our clients have and the solutions you can bring to the table and how you can deliver them. And we also talk a lot about that most of our repeat clients are going to be repeat clients, not because of what we did, but because of how it felt to work with us along the way. How did we deliver? Isn't that an old, uh, it doesn't matter. You won't remember what I said. You'll just remember how I made you feel. Is that Maya Angelou, I believe, if I'm not mistaken? <laughs> exactly. One of my yeah. favorite quotes. Yeah, for sure. And, and I've even um, told stories along the way that some of the projects that run into the bumpiest road at some point in, in delivery, unexpected things happen. It doesn't, it isn't going well. The way we respond as delivery people to recognizing the challenges, yep, been there, stay calm. We understand how to get through this challenge and we're going to do it with you, not to you, for you, or against you. Um, as happens a lot of times, if you stay out of the oh, we're just going to go to back to the contract and try to everybody cover your butts and figure out whose fault this actually is. If you instead just get in the trenches and work your way through it, those bumpy projects also end up being the clients for life because sure. they appreciate the way we just roll up our sleeves, get in the trenches and figure it out together. Never a does a project go smoothly. No, I can't imagine one. You'll get one, but I think uh, you'll think you'll you'll always think something's wrong. I wrote a blog way before the podcast about everybody's in sales. Yes, you, um, you know, IT guy or whatever I phrased it. But I always said, I go, it didn't matter. You know, selling is one thing, but like the technicians have to sell the the delivery leaders. They have to sell your boss. You have to sell the people under you know that are working on the project with you to to you know to to move to to, you know, work harder, faster. You know what I mean? I think we're all in, you know, it just sales brings on such a negative connotation always. So I, I've been fighting my whole career about, about changing that. But Hey, Katie, this has been an absolute masterclass on delivery. I, I, I got so much more to learn from you. I need to, I need to stop you more in the hallway at work. I mean, unless you don't want me to. <laughs> no, absolutely. As you can see, uh, I, I am a geek for it and love to, uh, to talk about it. So no, appreciate the time. You told me you were nervous. You did fantastic. No, this isn't. Oh, well, thanks. I, I appreciate <laughs> your time. Um, yeah, that's Katie Schultz, Slalom Consulting. I'm going to put her LinkedIn profile if you want to reach out to her uh, in the show notes. But uh, this is going to wrap things up for the IT and the D show. On behalf of Bob and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.